1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: They've raised the bar on Rochester Sports Talk. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on The Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester.
3: You got to do two things against this offense right now. You got to cover eighty-eight. If you can't cover eighty-eight, I don't care who you are. And you got to you got to change coverage at the snap exotically. You can't just go from cover two to cover three. You got to get Dak confused because right now he
4: is firing on all cylinders.
2: It's ESPN's Dan Orlovsky earlier on One Bills Live. Ways that the Buffalo Bills defense can stop that potent Dallas offense. We'll talk about that matchup and more with Matt Perino govern the team for the Syracuse post standard and back in town after a visit to arrowhead that proved the bills a Victor at 20 to 17 and not without its own controversy, Matt uh, congratulations on getting out of there in one piece. Uh, give give us a, uh, give us a taste of the atmosphere, paint a picture as they say.
3: Well, it's so funny because going back to Kansas city, it, it feels like a home away from home at this point. I think that we did the map and it's like five times in three years, a little over three years. Uh, so going back there, everything just feels so normal. I mean, I've been there more than I've been uh, in New England in Miami uh, the last couple of years. And you know, it's it's two teams that listen. It's there's a rivalry there. It's it's built up over the last couple of years. The Chiefs have you know dominated in the playoffs, but the Bills have now dominated it in the regular season. Three straight wins in their house, and I think we saw the remnants of that frustration boiling over for. Patrick Mahomes, uh, maybe even a little bit Andy Reid after the game and the way that they handled that that scenario at the end of the game. I mean, their offense, outside of you know a couple of drives, there just wasn't wasn't good. They don't look like the same team. So I think it's a it's it's a fan base, it's an organization that's not used to being in this spot where they've tried to find answers, they try to find answers, and they're not finding them. Um, you know, the Bills probably come away with a much more um, you know a, a win that didn't feel so hard at the end if they don't have the turnover and maybe they convert a little bit more on a couple more offensive drives, you know even down the stretch with that game winning drive, there were some challenges, like getting it you know staying on schedule getting getting to a play that they wanted to get to you know converting and executing in spots to keep it going and I asked Brady about that, yesterday, I just posted a video about it uh just like two seventeen left. You know, you 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 want to get under the two minute warning to, to force them into to start taking their timeouts, and you know that drop by Stefan Diggs was significant, and it took a running play out of the mix there on second down. So now you pass, it's incomplete again. Now you've completely changed the complexion of the game. So um, these are all little pieces of learning along the way for an offensive coordinator who uh, now finally, what are, we, what are we coming up on a month on the job? Uh, which is a good thing because he's going to need to be as comfortable as possible on Sunday against his Cowboys team.
0: Yeah. uh, Matt Perino, Syracuse Post-Standard, our guest here. Matt, we were talking before you came on the air, and I think a lot of Bills fans would be surprised to know this, that if you had to say James Cook, where is he in terms of scrimmage yards? Uh, Is he top 10? No. He's actually top three, and he's only nine yards away from tying Travis Etienne. He's, like, he's right behind, literally, Christian McCaffrey there. Um, so I guess my question is, like, wait, they got away from it. Could we use a little more James Cook in this offense, both running the ball and a little more passing?
3: Um, I think we're going to start to see more of it for sure. I think that the way that the Bills are talking about James Cook, Sean and Joe, more so Joe, Sean, it feels like he's like passing some internal tests here over the last month. Like, you know, they had the, the first time where it was the fumble early in that game a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, he was off the field for almost a quarter. And then the next week he had to drop pass and everybody thought he was kind of taken out of the game. Um, but Joe Brady said that it was just how the rotation went. There was nothing in his mind where he was keeping him out of the game, but I mean, you know McDermott said he's liked how he's handled things and has mentioned specifically his practice habits. He said leading up to last week he was as locked in in practice as he's seen him uh, since he was since they drafted him. And it felt like that, didn't it guys, like early in the in the first quarter I tweeted it, I think. This is what the 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 vision felt like listening to going back and listening to Brandon Bean when they drafted him. And it's never really quite met with those expectations, like what the reality has been with this over the last year and a half, but now you start looking at those stats and you look at a game like that where he leads the team in uh, receiving yards. He goes over 100 in uh, all-purpose yards, and I think it's like he had four games like that, and it's the first time since LaShawn McCoy, uh, I guess. So he's been really good. Um, I think they have to figure out a way with the lack of a consistent second option at times, a lack of a number one option. I mean, Stephon Diggs went 11 targets for, and, and came away with four catches. And, uh, and Legereus Sneed is as good as it gets. I, I was talking to Matt Bergeram from Sports Illustrated last week before the game, and he was like, trust me, people don't understand how underrated Sneed is. He has not given up a 100-yard receiver all year. This is a bad matchup for Stephon Diggs. And I kind of like scoffed at it because, you know, you're used to seeing Stephon Diggs win against other elite corners. And you know he didn't. He didn't enough. I mean, and there was a couple plays in that game where I, I thought he should have made, and not just the drops. Uh, you know, the one that hit him in the, uh, the 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 chest. I thought I thought you got to find a way to get your hands up there and make that catch. So with that all happening, and there, and there's you know Dalton Kincaid's been kind of hit or miss. You're adding Knox back into the mix. Gabe Davis. You know we know what's going on there. James Cook to me is like the guy you want the ball in his hands, and you start to wonder if they're going to maybe uptick. There's going to be an uptick in his snap count percentage because I still think he's not on the field nearly enough, especially considering if you go look at pro football focus, Latavius Murray is supposed to be on the field to help in pass protection. Like That feels like his role. He was the worst graded pass blocker in that game um, on Sunday. So what's the point of that?
2: Uh, one thing that uh, you see an increase in as well. Uh, talking about this Bills offense. And, and it's not a coincidence. Dawson Knox returns, and the Bills played out of 12 personnel, 31% of their offensive snaps in Kansas City, which was the fifth highest rate last week in the NFL. It was during Knox, uh, Knox's time off between weeks eight and 12 at 2%, 2.6%, uh, the lowest rate in the league. It's clear uh, whether it's coming from Sean McDermott or Joe Brady or uh, higher powers, they want to run that 12 personnel, don't they, Matt?
3: Yeah. And I think um, th- they want to find a way to unlock their passing game. Like you saw on the touchdown drive, the first one, they went five plays of their six before the Cook touchdown in 12. And I liked what they were doing in some of the personnel ideas that they had. They had Trent Field on the field and Gabe Davis with 12 personnel. So you're thinking that as a defensive player, there's a really good chance they're going to run the ball here. And then they don't. Cook kind of shoots out on the wheel and, and he's wide open. They don't pick him up. And there was a lot of pre-snap motion. To me, it's like, it's not so much in like, that they're using 12 and like that's a bad thing. It's like, how creative are you going to be with 12 on the field? Um, I thought it was a little bit heavy in terms of the personnel turnover from play to play. Like, sometimes it feels like a ho- you're watching like a hockey team. Like, I'm watching Mighty Ducks back in the day when mm-hmm. Abraman was jumping over the boards like every other minute. Like, it's a lot. Like, they're, you know. I, I think there's a part of it where you know Joe Brady's got to find a happy medium with okay I do want to give a bunch of different looks and keep the defense um, off balance and and maybe that was a, a matchup specific thing because you're going up against Steve Spagnola and you want to throw as many looks as you can at him and and not let him get comfortable with the personnel that you have on the field but I feel like week to week they need to settle into a little bit more like I, I want to see a little bit more Kincaid even still. Even though he played more than Knox in that
4: game, Matt
0: Perino, the Shout Podcast, Syracuse most standard, our guest here in the Sports Bar, and Matt, like following games, you, you see Daquan Jones kind of hanging around when the team is at home and kind of being with the team on a day to day basis. Like, what's the re what's the you know story here? Could we actually get him back here by the end of the season?
3: I mean, I think there's a really good chance. I mean, Sean McDermott said yesterday that he's he feels like it's, uh, they're in between red and yellow right now. So they're, you know, they're getting ramped up, and you've you got four regular season games left. You probably open, no matter what, probably open his practice window, maybe as early as next week and let him get out of the practice field, even if it's in a limited capacity, and let him dial some things up. I really think this is a huge development. If this materializes for a potential playoff run, But it does more than anything. Of course, you want Daquan Jones in some capacity. But I think what's even more important is potentially lessening the amount you're using Jordan Phillips because I think we could all be objective about this. And I think if if Jordan Phillips was being honest, he'd even tell you the same thing. At that rate of play, he just has not been very effective. So I think Daquan Jones getting him back – changes the complexion of that defensive line in so many ways even if he can't be playing at 60 percent of the snaps like he was before the injury you get him at 35 and 40 and shrink that thing down a little bit for phillips and you're in probably a better spot
0: call from mom answer it call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
2: Yeah, Perino joining us in the sports bar, Danger and Bataglia on the fan, Rochester. Uh, you know what? It was a, a tumultuous week last week for Sean McDermott, uh, not just because of the Von Miller situation, of course, because of the, the Ty Dunn piece and everything that went with that and the, the, the comments that were kind of unearthed in that piece. Um, in that game against Kansas City, it did still feel at moments where the pressure was dialed up that these guys looked... A little discombobulated. Can you talk a little bit about how the team ended the first half? And we we kind of touched on how that that last drive for the Bills went, that that led to that the eventual game winning field goal. But the idea that that it just wasn't exactly as smooth sailing as you would like there, with everything to play for down the stretch.
3: Yeah, and and I think that that's something that there might be some things they still got to work out. Like I I think it's a a huge jump and on-the-fly kind of deal with Joe Brady. That there's going to be times when it's a little bit complicated. I would imagine that there's a bit of a runway to the development of the relationship of Brady and McDermott in Game Two, and I wonder how much that was at play. And I think you take a moment like Kansas City having two end-of-half situations that you, you, I think they'd both be honest and say they wish that it went would have gone better, and build off that for the next time. What I'm taking away from this game and this week more than anything was it felt like Sean McDermott's defense in those big moments needed one of these series where they go out there and get a stop and get a stop against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. It's like when that third and 15 comes up at the end of that game, everybody in the stadium, Bill's fan or Chiefs fan, everybody watching at home, everybody in the press box, are just preparing for who is going to catch the Patrick Mahomes pass that goes for a first down. We saw it early in the game. I think it was like third and 18, and Travis Kelsey goes for uh, 23 on this just improbable pass that just floats over the defender and right into the bucket for Kelsey. It's like they just, he's a special player, and that's a special offense. And, you know, knowing what's, you know, when Mac Jones does it to you at the end of the game and drives down the field and scores, you're just expecting it to happen. So for, to know the ghosts in that building and for Sean McDermott to, Dial up the aggressiveness on that last, and and I know that the uh, you know they scored the touchdown there. You can't you know discount that you I know mean, that, that that was a big play, but in the end, the only thing you're going to remember about that series was that on third and fourth down, Sean McDermott's defense got stops and big players made made big plays. At Oliver, Leonard Floyd, and even Von Miller, who honestly in the fourth quarter looked like cl- the closest thing to the version uh, of the player that he was a year ago. And, and listen, I I was in the third quarter just bashing him and saying like, dude, you got to get this guy off the field. He does not look like he's the same guy. And I don't know if he was saving it for the fourth quarter or if he just felt more comfortable as the game went along. Cause it was the first game he played without that brace. So I'm wondering if over time he planted off of that, uh, repaired knee enough times to where he started to settle in and feel comfortable, but he had real juice in the fourth quarter for the first time this season, this was the plan all along. Um, whether or not he should be out there. I mean, we could talk about that. That's a, that's a separate conversation. But for Sean McDermott in that week, with all that was going on and the way that he kind of bent over after the fourth down stop and the emotion and in, in the, um, the way everybody talked about him after the game, it's like, it, it, it's, a, it's a possible galvanizing instance in this season and like a, maybe a plot point in this organization's run under Sean McDermott, that you know, everything's in front of them. I said before last week's game, before the Chiefs game, on the preview show, I was picking the Bills to win the AFC East. I'll bring up the clip. I'll send it to Gino. play it next week. Um,
2: I predicted it before I, week one, Matt. I don't know what, you, what took you so long.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that a boy. Uh, but I, everybody was out on this team. Everybody was out on, like, Sean McDermott. And, 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 I, and I understood a lot of it. I was critical of him as well. But I also look around this conference, and there is a lot of just what is going on with a lot of these teams. Starting with the Miami Dolphins, who now it appears can't even beat the bad teams. It was before; it was just the good teams, and now they can't beat the bad teams. So they just got to take care of their own business. I, I think they win the
0: AFC East. Matt, um, yeah, it's funny to think like this time last week we didn't know what was on the horizon, like the, these two uh, off the field stories. Uh, <laughs> Let's start with Vaughn. You went. You approached him. How did that go uh, afterward, Matt?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's strange. He hasn't said a word. I've approached him in the locker room during the regular season or during the regular practice week. Uh, he just shook his head no. Uh, he shook his head no in the locker room after we waited for him as well, and then said, "I appreciate you guys," and then just walked past. Uh, so he's. I would imagine he's being instructed not to talk. The Bills continue to keep uh, their position as they don't have any information that's come about. That's changed the course that they've decided to take here with allowing him to play until they have more understanding. Um, My guess is they're leaning as the NFL is uh, and the bills are following the NFL's lead. uh, The recanting story from uh, the girlfriend that was reported by an outlet in uh, Dallas uh, shortly after uh, Von Miller's arrest. Um, but again, I mean, the details in that police report are just so jarring and it's listen, it's, it's one side, but it was a, a police investigation. Uh, there was an arrest made. Um, they haven't said enough to where I know enough to where I feel comfortable with Vaughn's side of things. We haven't talked to Von. We don't, we haven't heard his side of things. And so, um, it, it's definitely, uh, this kind of dark cloud, gray cloud over everything, um, and, and I guess this story could pivot at any time depending on the information that either comes out or the Bills get, and we'll see how they act on that if they get information that changes from what they've gotten already.
2: Matt, we started our conversation with a clip from uh, Dan Orlovsky earlier today on One Bills Live talking about how to stop Dallas's offense. It, there's, it's hard, man. I look at Dallas, and I, I try to find things I don't like about that team, And I I really struggle. Um, Who do you think gets tasked with covering C.D. Lamb? And what keys do you think the Bills need to focus on here in order to get the W on uh, Sunday?
3: I think he'll probably see a lot of Rasul Douglas. But again, I don't think that they're going to mirror him. I think that you'll probably see Benford out there as well. This is actually probably in coverage, like one of Christian Benford's worst games of the season coming off the Chiefs game. Um, He obviously made that big play to, to knock the ball out. Uh, But I think that at times he looked a little bit overmatched. So we'll see how he rebounds, but you know, you know how the bills play. They play a lot of zone coverage. You're going to try to get to the football. Um, You know, they played a couple weeks ago, a Philadelphia Eagles offense that I thought for like half the game, they played really well against it. Um, Dak Prescott has been so outstanding this season. I mean, his, his MVP bid, it's really going to be hard to beat. I think, because if you look at his game, he has only one, two, three, four games this season where he's thrown an interception. And one of those games, he threw three of his six on the year. And that was against San Francisco in the 42 to 10 loss. So that's what you have to do. You have to affect him and they have a really good offensive line. So that's hard. But now all of a sudden you have Von Miller who seems to be finding something. Greg Rousseau was the top graded pass rusher for the bills last week. So it looks like he's getting healthier, which is massive. Oliver's got to have a huge game. Leonard Floyd, the Epinesa injury is troubling. I mean, week to week, his status for this weekend is completely up in the air. I, don't, I at this point, put it at uh, not great odds that he's going to be able to play. So you look at some of these other guys, maybe that activates Kingsley Jonathan, and you want to see if he can maybe take advantage of an opportunity because Shaq Lawson hasn't been a pass rusher that I think um, he even was last season. He's getting older, and, it, and it's harder. Uh, but maybe they hope that Von Miller, this is his big coming-out party, if you will, from a football perspective, we will see. But you've got to turn the ball over somehow. like, And, and, and it showed in this game. If, if they don't get those turnovers when they did against a Chiefs team um, that was struggling on offense, uh, maybe we're talking about a different result and a different conversation completely.
0: Well, they're not going to talk about the opponents ahead, but we can, Matt. Um, you're playing Easton stick. I don't know, it will be Bailey Zappi or whatever New England trots out. Um, if, if True or false, if Dallas, if the Buffalo Bills find a way to win this game, indeed, coming up week 18, that's going to be for the AFC East down in Miami.
3: Maybe, but um, it might already be over. <laughs> I mean, guys, there's a real like scenario that plays out here where the Dolphins don't win another game the rest of the season, regular season. I mean... They're playing the Jets this week who are coming off of a galvanizing win of their own. I mean, the defense for Miami is, is banged up. I mean, they are um, – Xavier Howard's all kind of banged up. Uh, they lost um, – who did they lose last week on their defensive line? Oh, no, Jalen Phillips is out for the season. He was a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, they're banged up, and Tyree Hills day-to-day. They, got, they lost their center. Yep. like The Jets are going to – the Jets are probably going to win this game. I, I'd probably pick them to win this game. Uh, with the way that Tua has kind of looked a little bit shaky, still turning the ball over quite a bit. And then you have Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. Like, isn't that a scenario where you could, you could talk yourself into them losing all those games? So, yeah, I definitely think the division is going to probably be on the line in that last week. Um, if, not, if it's not already over. Now, it wouldn't already be over, actually, the more I'm thinking about it, because um, I think the Bills would lose the tiebreaker if they lose to the Dolphins. So they'd have to uh, obviously win that game. But yeah, the circumstances around that game, man, how much has that changed in the last 24 hours?
2: Yeah, we were talking about it yesterday, and I I echoed what you said about the Jets, Matt. I thought that that, that, you know, I assumed a win over Tennessee last night for Miami, wrongfully assumed, by the way, and and that the Jets would give the the Dolphins fits, meaning that that they would lose two of their final three. They would lose to, to Baltimore. They would lose to Dallas. Uh, And and that would set up a week 18 matchup against the Bills in Miami for the AFC East. And, And I'm trying to think if there's a scenario where the Bills could actually wrap up the division without, if Miami were to lose against the Jets, Cowboys, and Ravens, and the Bills won those three games, they would still be, would they be one game up? They would be one game up on the Dolphins, right?
0: Yeah, but Matt just explained the uh, with the, the tiebreaker. Breaker. Yeah, yeah they was like Miami still would be in a position to, to play for the division. division. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah,
3: I mean it's it's going to be fun and it's going to change the dynamic of everything either or already. And oh, by the way, not just Miami with this tough end of the season schedule. Baltimore has a really tough end of the season schedule yep. and. I don't know what we're going to be sitting here looking at. If the Bills end up winning the division, of course, they get to host a home game, but if they don't, and then they have to go on the road in the first game, I mean, roll the dice with those top four. I mean, Baltimore, Miami, um, Kansas City, and Jacksonville. You could be going anywhere. You could maybe be playing in uh, Florida three yeah. straight weeks yeah. in Miami, in Jacksonville, maybe Miami again. It's, it's going to be a party.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt, you bring the conversation full circle. I see in Kansas City again at some point, buddy.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too mad about it. Like Joe's barbecue, I got my order down nice. pat now, and it was so killer the other day that I was talking to it about uh, with it with, about it with a few uh, friends on the beach, and I said if we got to come back here, listen, I'm just gonna get to Joe's. I, I stood outside in the line, guys, for 80 minutes, and I wasn't even mad about it. It was that good. So that's the one benefit. Uh, I saw Kansas down there, the number two team in the nation. Uh, Allen, uh, uh, the field house there, it was unreal. I'd never seen a big time division one, like a blue blood school, like, uh, Midwest powerhouse at home, the stadium or the arena rocking. It was a really cool experience. if You can get to one of those kind of games. Highly recommend it.
2: Matt, what's on tap this week for the shout podcast. What are you working on that we can check
3: out? Ton. So I'm going to, I'm putting together something. It'll be out maybe later tonight or early tomorrow, Basically, I'm going to weave a story through all the different possibilities and who you should be rooting for and what it all looks like. I'm going to take a look at all the remaining schedules for the seven and six teams. Uh, It should be a a good piece for people that are just trying to get a, a baseline level of understanding of what to look for for the next month. And then shout, we got an interview with Ross Tucker that just went live before I came on here. That's up on all the channels. Ryan and I will be up with the Staples Show, and then we'll have two Cowboys preview shows. Ryan and I will do one, and then I'll have one with a Dallas B reporter later this week.
0: Yeah, and then um, after the game, too, right, Matt? Have oh, you made boy. any Here decisions on on after the game? So I would like
3: an on-field correspondent, but only if it's like raining and like under thirty degrees. And I'm going to go out to you, and we're like, all right, now out to Gene, and I want you to give a really like you know heartfelt like passionate report, post-game report. Can you do that for us?
0: I don't think you have the technical capabilities to do that, man. I think you'd just be messing with he'll me. He'll work it out. I think he'll work it out. He'll work it out.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out, you know, because I think the, the people need it.
2: <laughs> Thanks, You're man. the absolute best, Matt. Enjoy the rest of your week, buddy. Take care, guys. Thanks, and Matt man. Perino, the Syracuse Post-Standard, joining us here in the Sports Bar to talk all things Bill's. As the team gets ready for Dallas coming in, the Cowboys uh, late afternoon, Sunday in Orchard Park.
0: There's no way week 18 is going to mean zero for the Buffalo Bills, unless the Bills kind of lose out and then are eliminated. But that's going to mean something in terms of the division. If Miami does not keep pace, if Miami wins, if they win all their games, OK, then that will be the only one where Buffalo would need to win week 18. This for a wild is card. so
2: Miami. It, it's playing out in such a Miami this way. This is old time Miami. This is how it always happens with the Dolphins. If you're a Dolphin fan, how do you live like this? This this was last year's team. This was uh, remember the year that, that the the Dolphins went in yep. the last week of the season to Buffalo with everything to play for, a playoff spot. The Bills are playing their scrubs, and they still
0: got waxed. It's like that old you know joke that you shouldn't tell. Like. Honestly, the Miami Dolphins collapse is like Hanukkah. I know they're in December. I just can't tell you when. <laughs> uh, great stuff from uh, Perino, as always. And
2: uh, we'll make sure that you have that available on demand wherever you get your podcasts. You can search out the Sports Bar. You can find us on YouTube and on Twitch. Uh, I got to give uh, props to somebody in the uh, Twitch stream, who uh, Gort the Ancient, who just uh, sent us this message. The only downside to watching the Sports Bar on Twitch is is you don't get to enjoy the amazing ads with the amazing sound effects.
0: (laughs) What is the top ad on our station right now? Oh, everybody
2: knows the answer to that.
0: Well, no, I I think we have a contender this year because Santa coming home after kind of having a good night with the elves. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's the quality, right? Santa
2: with the munchies isn't bad. (laughs) <laughs> Santa with the munchies isn't bad, but it'll never. There's only one, and everybody knows what we're what talking about. What time
0: is it coming up, Mike Danger? Can you look in the log? Uh, I can. All um, right, so we're going to give everybody a chance to listen again. Except
2: this for the people that are watching on YouTube and Twitch.
0: No, and in, in the Honesty app, too. You're going to get served something uh, different yeah, that time. So this would only be on 95.7 or AM 950. No, we'll have.
2: I'll tell you what. Before... Uh, before we take a break, uh, right around, ironically enough, four twenty, uh, we will have uh, that magnificent bit of holiday creative for you from from our friends at <laughs> in the chat room. He, he called it the TH, the TH ads with the amazing sound effects. Boing. But watch on the stream, anyways, uh, at the Fad Rochester on YouTube and on Twitch. All right, we've got some takes on tap next in the Sports Bar. Stand by for I'll drink to that. You're listening to the Sports
5: Bar with Danger and Bataglia on 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan Rochester. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.